Hey, one more thing before you go. Mid-1880s farmhouse, strange experiences. Phantom, knocks, missing objects, ghosts, monsters, the matrix, and UFOs. Much more. Stay tuned when we have a conversation with the man who shares his favorite paranormal and supernatural stories. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is That Thing About Stranger Bridgerland. Hi, my guest in this episode is John Olson, who, fueled by his own experiences with the unknown, has spent the last 25 years interviewing and documenting firsthand accounts of those who have witnessed all kinds of strange and unusual phenomena in the Western United States. It's something we're all interested in, something we always have to look, look over our shoulder, every knock, everything we hear, uh, those strange voices in the middle of the night, he has talked about them. At the age of eight, he began to realize that the home he lived in was peculiar. His parents still owned the old farmhouse built in the mid-1880s. Strange experiences such as phantom knocks, loud boots running from the stairs, missing objects became commonplace for him as he grew up. With each run-in with what he called the man in the hat, John's interest grew in the paranormal. His parents forbade him from telling anyone of his experiences for fear of what others in the small community would think. He turned his passion for the paranormal and the supernatural into the Stranger Bridgerland series, which contains firsthand accounts of ghosts, monsters, hauntings, glitches in the Matrix, Sasquatch, and UFOs, and we're going to have an inside look and witness some of those extraordinary experiences. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you about uh, the paranormal today. I think that, uh, like we started right before we, um, well, before we started the interview, I was telling you this. Everybody's interested in the phenomena of uh, the paranormal, and uh, you know, obviously, paranormal, supernatural, anything along that line. Because you know, it's always nice to know whether or not there really is the other side. Do ghosts really exist? Um, is Uncle John or uh, somebody still watching me? <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and one of those things. How'd, so let's talk. Let's talk about, if you don't mind, let's, let's, uh, where'd you grow up? So I grew up in in northern Utah, uh, in a small town in northern Utah. Um, and like you mentioned, I grew up in a home that was built in 1883. And uh, by the time I was eight years old, um, I realized that my house was different than all my friends' house that there were weird things going on that didn't happen in my friend's house. And it really got me interested in the paranormal. And from then on, I was reading and and trying to find anything I could about the paranormal and learning about it. And later on, it, it led me into interviewing people about their experiences and writing firsthand accounts from them and my own experiences in my books. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Do you have any brothers or sisters? I do. I have an older sister uh, that's four years older than me, and then a younger brother that's a year younger than me. And uh, we we still talk about 
the things that happened to us and and all the different things that's gone on and and it's interesting my my sister has gone into she she spent a lot of time doing ghost investigations and um she does her own kind of uh, podcast thing talking about the paranormal so it kind of spurred all of us on in that kind of direction for a while so that's pretty cool, actually. I think, you know, you said your parents kind of forbade you of talking about it. How do they feel about it now since you're you're kind of really in-depth in it and your sister's now really in-depth with it? Uh, um, yeah, they're they're actually much better about, um, about it. They're actually really proud of my books and tell people about it. And, um, yeah, it's it's completely different than, than when I was a kid. Uh, my dad, when I was younger, he even, you know, my my mother admitted it, but said we couldn't talk about it. My dad denied that the house was haunted and forbid us to talk about it. But uh, as we got older and, you know, as things progressed, they've actually shared experiences that they didn't when we were kids uh, that they had in the house. So, and, and admitted, yeah, you know, it, it's haunted and there's different things that go on there. Do you think you contributed to them changing their mind or did they come about you know, that from a different perspective? That's a good question. I think that kind of both, I think they come around on their own. I know that uh, over the past, so oh, probably 10 years with, you know, television shows about hauntings and the ghost hunters and different things have kind of made it easier for people to, ex to share their stories. Um, when I, when I interview people, I still give them the option of changing their name um, and maybe the location a little bit. So if they feel uncomfortable doing that, but I think more and more people are okay with, with other people knowing their names and, and not having that stigma of, of being a, a kooky person because they've seen a ghost or even something stranger than that. So. Yeah. I think that the, the mainstream, television media has basically brought about uh, brought into our homes actually mm -hmm. you know it really created a, a phenomena in it within itself with regard to i remember ghost hunters when they first started i think they're in their i don't know 20th season or something along that line might be a little bit more than that because we i haven't watched them in a little while i've been so busy with my podcast <laughs> i haven't taken the time um, yeah but yeah i think that more people more and more people are starting to kind of accept the uh, possibility of or are seeking the thrill of of really seeing, hey, you know, maybe I heard something. Could it be that? Could it be something along that line? Do you find that even the people that you interview, do they go into it um, more skeptical, or, or are they just trying to find answers? Do you think, or, or or are they just trying to really say, hey, I need validation for this? I, you know, I've run into all all kinds uh, when I've interviewed people. Everybody from those that believed before they had their experience um, and those that didn't believe whatsoever or even think about it until they had their experience. And afterwards, after their experience, there's also a huge um, spectrum of people all the way from it spurred them on to want to know more and find out more. And some people who are just, they've had that one experience and it scared them to death and they don't want anything else to do with it. So, you know, everybody has a different reaction to their experience of the paranormal. Now, did you, when you were growing up, you said that your experience started about when you were eight years old. 
So, you know, when you talked uh, in your, like we said in the, in the introduction and in your bio, you talk about the, the man in the hat. Mm -hmm. um, so can you tell me a little bit about that? Let's share that experience with us. Yeah. So the first time I remember um, actually seeing uh, what I, the gentleman I call the man in the hat is um, I was in eighth grade um, and I came home from school and nobody was home. My mom was a homemaker, but she was gone somewhere. I'm not sure. So I made myself a sandwich and I went into the front room to watch some TV. And this is like three o'clock in the afternoon. And I saw um, some movement out of the corner of my eye and I turned and here's this gentleman standing in the doorway of the front room. And I can see through him. I couldn't see um, details in his face, but I could tell that he was wearing overalls and a white shirt and he had a wide brimmed hat on and he walked in the room and then sat in a rocking chair across from me and started rocking back and forth. And I, I remember closing my eyes and counting to 10 and I opened my eyes and, uh, he was gone, but the rocking chair was still rocking. So I jumped up wow. and ran to the front porch and sat there until my mom came home. And uh, that was that was the first time I remember actually seeing a full body apparition of of that gentleman. But what's really fascinating about that is I'm not the only one that's seen him and explained to him tall, skinny figure uh, with a white shirt overalls, looking like an old farmer, and. Um, my the home that I grew up in had been in my my family since the early 1920s um, was when the first uh, people bought a great great grandpa or uncle that purchased that home. But when my grandmother passed away, uh, I remember we were helping clean out her house, and there was an old photo album. And we were flipping through it and I flipped the page and here's my house from the 1920s with a gentleman standing in front of it in overalls and a white wow. shirt and a wide brimmed hat. And it was a great, great grandpa or great, great uncle. We're not quite sure which one uh, who owned the house. So I can actually pinpoint who it is that uh, we see every once in a while in the house as a great, great uncle or grandpa that owned it back in the 20s. That's pretty cool, actually. That, yeah. that you know, to get that kind of validation, especially that uh, that would, is remarkable, um, because a yeah. lot of times you hear noises or see something, or you know, you see an apparition, and you don't necessarily know the origins of that apparition, mm -hmm. or, or that voice, or the the vision. So that's profound. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it was quite a shock for me when I when I flipped over the page and and there he was standing in front of the house and and kind of. It, it, like you say, it validated a lot of the um, the things we had seen uh, growing up in the house. Did you have any more interaction during that time period? I mean, you, I know you said objects come up missing oh, yeah. and things like that. Do you think it was the same person or there was more than one? Um, I think it's multiple ghosts in there. I, I think that there are um, what you would call um, residual hauntings. That's something like... Um, footsteps or knocking or something that you hear that isn't necessarily have an intelligence to it, but it's just something that plays over and over again, almost like a, a um, tape. Um, and then there's also definitely interactions in the house. Uh, there's uh, 
uh, spirit in there and i don't know if it's the same one with the the wide brimmed hat or not but we we always referred to him as the stare monster because um we associated it with him with the the heavy boots boot steps on the stairs but he is he's always been a trickster um and likes to play pranks or always like to play pranks on us growing up and we kind of associated um that with him so i imagine there is actually more than one i don't know how many but uh there was one that was de that's definitely a, a prankster and then the one we called the man in the hat the tall man in the hat as kids and uh, so it's just interesting all the way around yeah, it really is. And obviously a house built in the mid-1880s is going to have some history behind it, yeah. no matter what you yeah. look at because of that, and especially that time period. So mm -hmm. did you, um, as you grew up, uh, did you always want to be, did you think you, you wanted to always be an author uh, of books, or did you have other aspirations? Did you go to university? Um, you know, oddly enough, I just uh, went back to school and graduated this last fall uh, with a a, a business degree um but thank you um i what happened was um i gathered all of these stories and i interviewed people and did it for years and um i remarried about seven years ago and when i remarried my my lovely wife um she she i had to explain to her you know what these stories were i had all these stories and she, you know, I, at first I was a little nervous to explain that I interview people about the paranormal. And um, she says, well, what are you going to do with those stories? And I said, I want to write, write a book one day. And she goes, well, why don't you do it now? And she was such mm -hmm. a great inspiration for me to write my first one. Um, and since the, I wrote the first one, um, they just kind of, with her help, um, she's my editor and, and she helps a lot because I have so many stories helping me select which stories. Um, she's been just a, a major inspiration to me. And so since then, I've written one every year since then. Um, they all usually come out in um, August. And I have another one this year that will be coming out in August as well, which will be my sixth book. Um, and, you know, it's it's really kind of grown. Um, I, it used to be uh, it was just local stuff that I got, local stories. But since my books have gone out, I've gotten stories from um, Mexico and Canada and all the way out, you know, even further than that. So, yeah, that's uh, you. That's amazing about your wife getting more involved in that. I think that uh, especially just getting in, into your marriage and when she asks you kind of what you do or what you're going to do and you're going to tell, well, I'm going to tell ghost stories. Yeah. <laughs> that might tend to create a little bit of an apprehension there. So kudos right. for that. That's you found a good one. <laughs> yes, good one. I did. She's, she's fantastic. Um, do you find it hard for uh, people to, to get people to come open up to you in regard to their stories? Um, it's getting easier and easier. I think um, when I'm able to show people that I'll, you know, I, I change their name or that I'm, I'm respectful with their stories. Uh, I, cause I, I still have a stack of stories where I've collected them, but the people haven't given me permission yet. They're still a little weary. Um, but I, I think that there's more people that are coming forward and, and, and some of them, one thing that I find that it just fascinates me is 
I'll, I'll tell a story or I'll, you know, get a story and I'll write it up and, and they'll give permission and, and I'll put it in the book. And it will be something that, that I think is fascinating, but kind of a one-off, you know, weird thing that, that happened to this person. And then I'll get people contact me after that book comes out that would say, I thought I was the only one that had an experience like that. Mm. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. This has happened several times, but I'll give you a good example. Um, I wrote a story. It was called not my cousin. It was about a young boy. Well, he's not young a boy now, but when he was a young boy camping, um, he was camping with his cousins and his family and they were playing hide and seek. And all of a sudden his cousin, his older cousin that he looked up to um, was trying to draw him away from camp. Um, he would hide behind the tree and tell him, you know, wave at him to follow him. And, and so he would go up to that tree and his cousin would be gone and he's further up the Canyon and he's waving him to follow him. And finally he was like, you know, we're too far from camp. I'm going back. And he was really upset. And, and he makes it back to camp only to find that his cousin never left camp. He was, his cousin was with his mother the whole time. And which was really strange, whatever this oh. was that was mimicking his cousin to draw him away. And I wrote up that story. And since then I've had, Five or six people contact me saying they've had a very similar experience where something was mimicking a cousin or a brother or someone that was just older than them of authority, trying to lure them into an abandoned building or into the woods. But come to find out they were never really there. Their their cousin was somewhere else. And so it, it kind of opened up the door of what is this strange phenomenon going on. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Did you ever come up with a solution to that? Like, um, I've done a lot of research. I, I try to do a lot of research when I get a story like that. I dive into folklore. I dive into a bunch of stuff to try and figure out. The only thing that I can come up with is a very similar situation to what's called a doppelganger. Um, some entity or something that's mimicking can either mimic yourself or mimic somebody else, but to what end, I don't know. Um, I can say, you know, I, after the number of people that have come to me telling me their stories about it, that there's definitely something to it, but um, maybe they're just the ones that were lucky enough to stop in time. I don't know. It's uh, it's fascinating though. I find that that's one of them that I find really fascinating. Yeah, I think it, I, I do as well. I think that uh, it's a very unique perspective on uh the a ghost story basically because right. they're trying to be lured by somebody that they think that they they see that's familiar to them mm -hmm. and then you know somewhere down the line there's got to be some bizarre motivation for that on one end of it and have you ever talked to anybody that um uh has been uh, affected by a poltergeist or had been injured or hurt or something along that line um yeah i i um I've interviewed several people who've had um, you know, interactions with ghosts that move things or um, I, I have generally um, veered away from stories about, um, oh, I don't, how do I explain it? E evil entities, unless it's in the form of, for example, in one of my last books, um, I interviewed a woman who had had an experience uh, with a Ouija board and it went really badly and she was a kind of attacked afterwards her and her boyfriend at the time and I wrote it in the way that she wanted 
that it was a, a warning to other people not to get involved in that kind of a thing. Um, cause I, I tend to believe that it just personally, if you go looking for something, um, bad, I guess you could say you're going to find it if that makes sense. But, uh, so there's definitely been stories where people have had experiences that were on the darker side for sure. Yeah, that is, um, and it, for, can you help us understand or, uh, the listeners? I, I understand, but for, let's say, our newer listeners and some maybe that don't understand. I know that um, you, you mentioned doppelganger, uh, mm-hmm. which is, is, can you help us understand doppelganger and then understand poltergeist, for example, what the difference right. may be and what, you know, kind of what they are so we can learn a little bit? Yeah, you bet. So a doppelganger is um, in folklore and and um, and in stories uh, that go back quite a ways. A doppelganger is somebody that um, mimics either yourself or someone that you know. Um, and so uh, there's actually, I, not too long ago, I interviewed a gentleman who was working late um, and he was in Florida and he worked in an engineering place and there something had gone wrong. And so he had to work late in this old building. And all of a sudden there was, um, he was all alone in the building and something was trying to get his attention. Somebody was calling to him. And when he walked out and looked on the stairs, it was whatever it was looked just like him. It was his doppelganger. It looked just like him. And it was actually motioning to him and, and calling out to him to follow him. And he freaked out and locked himself in his office, which I would for sure. I, I don't blame um, him. That that would be very bizarre. No. So for whatever reason, um, it's an entity or whatever you want to call it that mimics somebody else, um, whether it's in voice or in looks or whatever that might be. Um and a poltergeist is it's actually German for noisy ghost, if it is the direct translation. Um, and a lot of times when a poltergeist, which has to do with objects moving, um, or it could even be voices or, or things of that nature, uh, for whatever reason, a lot of times it will have to do with um, kids who are just becoming teenagers. Um, I, for example, had a gentleman contact me. It was actually a friend of mine that I'd known for many years. And he goes, I know you do this. He said, we, we started having uh, issues with things moving and, you know, voices and, and we, our house is new. And I said, do you have a, do you have somebody that just started being a teenager, a girl probably that just became a teenager and going through adolescence. And he goes, well, yeah, I do. I actually have two that just started. And I said, well, I said, keep an eye on it because for some reason, whatever that reason is, and I don't know, um, it has to do. And a lot of times with uh, teenage girls that are going through adolescence uh, in becoming teenagers, there's just something that whether it's kinetic power, I don't really know, but, um, uh, but that's what generally uh, poltergeist is something that a ghost or an energy like that, that will move things in the house or uh, voices or, you know, and that can go on for uh, a year or so and then disappear for no reason as well, which is really kind of strange. Yeah. That's well, having two teen- two daughters that went through the teenage <laughs> phase within a couple of years, uh-huh. aside from each other, I'm not sure if I can dif- differentiate the difference between, 
teenage angst and <laughs> right. I'll, I'll have to go back and re-examine that now. See, yeah, yeah. Just, and it doesn't just, always happen, but for some reason it's connected somehow, and I and I'm not sure why. It's a very strange phenomenon. I was like, they, you know, they've had movies, the poltergeist movies, where they're uh, like this major evil entities that are just out mm -hmm. to kind of really do damage to people and so forth. Um, right. With each one of your uh, interviewees, I know that you said a little bit earlier you do research and so forth. So have you done a lot of, of research and in-depth background? Like if you talk to somebody, do you do the historical perspective, like where the where the house is, how old it is, the location, and that kind of a thing to help kind of... Uh, I won't say validate or substantiate part of their story, but they've maybe helped figure it out. Sort of like from a... Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you well, off. Well, that's all right. So yeah, sort of like from a, like, I'm a, I'm a retired cop. So for me, mm -hmm. it would be like an investigation to kind of get a little more, can I say this is, like you did when you found mm -hmm. the picture and the picture went, oh, that's the guy I saw. That's like, you know, the grandfather or the, the uncle. Yeah. Um, if it, if it's something that's going on currently, yes, I definitely, um, will talk to them, you know, cause I, I, I've had people come to me and I, and they say, you know, I think my house is haunted, you know, something strange is going on. And so I'll, I'll talk to them. I'll do, um, an interview with them. Uh, a lot of times when I interview somebody, it's something that's happened to them years ago. Um, but if it's something that's recent that's going on and uh, it's in their house or something of that nature, you know, I'll, I'll do an interview with them. I'll, if I just close enough, I'll go to their house and, and talk to them. There's, there's times where it's simply something that's going on in the house. That's actually normal. Um, a furnace that's acting up or something that's contributing to strange sounds. I, you know, I, I try and eliminate when I'm talking to somebody, um, the, the, easiest things first and then you know we go into well okay is there something that's changed in the house um some activity that's going on uh if it's an older home you'd look into it maybe see if there was a death or something of that nature uh when i talk to somebody too i also try and let them know if it's just what i call a regular ghost somebody who used to be alive that's not anymore the funny thing is I say, it's just like if you meet 10 people on the street, nine out of 10 people are going to be good people, you know, down to earth people. It's that one out of 10 that's a jerk that you meet on the street. It's the same. If they were a jerk in life, they're going to be a jerk in their afterlife, I guess you could say. And so it's those that you have to kind of worry about if it's just that kind of uh, situation. It wasn't too long ago, I think last year, um, I was working with a family and they had uh, a little girl that they had adopted and um, she was starting to see things that were really scaring her. And I, we couldn't eliminate anything that was or normal that would be causing this. And I actually was able to contact a, a group that I trust that is a, a paranormal research group that came in to do different things. And I think they were able to, to determine that it was um, somebody attached to the girl from the family that they had adopted from that was really just trying to check in and make sure she was okay. Mm. Um, and uh, after they were able to validate that, that it went away, whatever it was, whoever it was. Um, and so it, it's, it's amazing all different kinds of hauntings that you can have and in ways that were 
I, we help people or I've been able to help people or if it's on the other side of the country, point them in the right direction to get help. So if you ever did this inspire you to do any ghost hunting of your own? Hey, just a real quick reminder. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for being a part of the one more thing before you go family. Please remember to subscribe and or follow us. We would greatly appreciate it. We do have an app that's available for you for free. You'll find it in the App Store or on Google Play. It is compliments of Superpaths, our sponsor. Anything that you want to do with your business to take it to the next level, have an entertainment or an information hub in the palm of your hand, it's Superpaths. It will give you the unique opportunity for everything. One more thing before you go. Please take the time to support us by subscribing, following, and visiting our unique merchandise store at beforeyougopodcast.shop. You'll find that link to the store in our website. It is beforeyougopodcast.shop. You can find our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. I have gone with groups to do ghost hunting before, and I and I enjoy it when we go and do that. I get invited to go do that with different groups and historical places where I'm at. Um, I don't do it on a regular basis. Just uh, I've had so many experiences growing up that you know um, it's I, I like doing it on occasion, but I don't have a group that I go with all the time. Mm, interesting. Though on those particular instances that you were with somebody did you find anything unusual that you hadn't seen or heard before um not really not anything that i hadn't heard before um it's it's really fun when uh, we have a group that i get invited to go and we have some old theaters in the area that i live and they're able to investigate there and and they find you know some good evps or you know some some stuff like that it's kind of exciting to do and and fun to do that way so usually around halloween time i get invited to go with those groups and it's it's a lot of fun so. uh, my wife and i when we watch we have we have our favorites when we watch uh, some of these paranormal programs and um of them uh you know some of our favorite things are the uh, the evps because obviously that's that's a valid communication or if they're holding a communication where they're actually having a, a talk or a conversation, which I find, right. you know, we find very unique because they're actually answering you and, yeah. and so forth, which is pretty cool. Cause it kind of validates, you know, one more thing before you go is all about, you know, even we talk about supernatural, we talk about paranormal, we talk about what's possibility of what's on the other side and whether it exists. And, mm -hmm. you know, to me it kind of validates that just a little bit more when when you can hear that and see that it's pretty cool it's pretty yeah cool. it is um, i know that you talk about uh in uh, from from the bio and the information i've gotten from you i was talking a little bit about monsters because you say you you talk about those too yeah i've interviewed people um who've seen bigfoot um and those are some of my favorite ones uh stories about bigfoot and sasquatch this area in northern Utah seems to be a hotbed for sightings at different times of the year um, in northern Utah. And um, also in an area, it's called uh, the Uinta Mountains. If you've ever heard of the show or heard of Skinwalker Ranch, that sits uh, on the edge of, yeah, it sits on the edge of the Uinta Mountains. And uh, so, yeah, I've interviewed several people who've had Bigfoot experiences. Uh, I've also interviewed people who have run into other creatures that are really strange. Uh, I interviewed a gentleman many years ago, and he's, his story's in one of my books. 
uh, he was hiking alone and he wasn't supposed to be, but his friend canceled on him and he was hiking alone and he decided to camp for the night. And so he went to bed just with his bedroll out there in the stars. And in the middle of the night, he got woken up uh, with something and he couldn't figure out what had woken him up. And all of a sudden he get hit in the chest with a little rock. And so he's looking for his headlamp that he usually sleeps with. And he finally finds it. And he, well, he finally realizes it's still on his head. And he turns it on and looks and about 15 feet from him sitting on this little pile of rocks is this really strange creature. Um, it was grayish green with pointed nose and almost what you would expect like a, a troll or something like that that you've heard of would look like and he was kind of in shock it had ragged old clothes he said on and um, whenever he goes camping or goes hiking he brings a book to read as he goes to bed just brings an old um, uh, paperback book that he can read uh, to help him go to sleep and he notices this creature's trying to hide something behind him and um, he realizes it's got his book in his hand and at that point, it re he realizes that this creature has been close enough to slip the book away from him and steal it. And he free, you know, he at this point he he snaps too and freaks out, you know, grabs his stuff and runs out, uh, just runs out of the mountains and gets to his truck. And uh, he told me this story, and you know, he's like, "That's the only encounter I've ever had." And he he wanted me to change his name because it's just such a strange story. And he says, "I'm just not." I'm not a you know it's funny how many people will go you know I'm I'm not crazy they start their story like that I promise I'm not crazy but this story is really strange so I I got that story and I wrote that story and it's in where it happened was near a mountain here called Mount Naomi and um about a year later after that I had a lady contact me and she said I about died when I read that story because when I got married my husband told me that he was hunting elk near Mount Naomi and saw a strange creature and he explained it to me and I laughed at him and told him he was crazy and then I read your story and it was the exact same ex wow. explanation that I read in your book is what he told me he saw you know 25 years ago while hunting up there so that which is really cool too to get another story because that one's like it's very you know i realize it's that's a way out there story but um it's just fascinating that things like that can happen and then again real i went you know into folklore and everything and come to find out that the native americans have talk about creatures like that that live in the forest and steal things and are really mean nasty little buggers that you know and and in their um, folklore and in their oral history, they talk about those creatures. So again, I was able to, you know, tell him that he wasn't crazy, that uh, he wasn't the only one that's seen it. So yeah, what a bizarre story. I think I'd start sleeping in a tent. Yeah, exactly. I would too. I, growing up, I spent a lot of time alone in the in the mountains, and after hearing a lot of these stories, I I'm like, I don't I don't think I should have done that as a as a young man <laughs> yeah it kind of makes a new perspective <laughs> retrospect yeah. makes a new perspective that's pretty cool yeah yeah it's you know that's kind of a i've not heard of that kind of a creature before from some of the stories that i've heard in the interviews that i've done but um mm -hmm. you know trolls 
and um, anything that, along that line, trolls and fairies and, you know, uh, um, what do you call them? Um, I can't think of the other ones right now. The, um, yeah. Anything like that, you know, they've had, sure, they're folklore or they come from a fantasy novel, but they had to come from somewhere. You know, right. it, it had to start somewhere, even if it's somebody in somebody's mind, you know, that that something had to trigger that to create mm -hmm. that in such the way that it comes about. Gnomes and, you know, that are alive and things like that. So, yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. I believe in, I believe that there's monsters out there. I mean, we can't be the only ones here, right? Right. And, and it's just kind of amazing the different things that you, you come across. And you mentioned, you know, it, there's you have folklore from all over the, the world but mm -hmm. i i find it one thing that i find fascinating is in one part of the world they will have a creature and then it has a different name but it has the same features yeah. as somewhere else in the world they just have a different name for it and so it would be kind of strange that you know way back in the day they somehow came up with the same creature mm -hmm. a world away from each other so and, got prior, to be to it, so. and prior to the internet. Right, exactly. So somebody yep. can't just look it up, you know, 100 years ago, you couldn't, 200 years ago, you couldn't look up on the internet and say, oh, well, yeah, I got one of those in my backyard. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. It, they come up with the same stuff, which is pretty, kind of pretty cool. Um, yeah. The, what, let's talk about uh, haunting glitches in the Matrix and, and actually yeah. the Matrix. Yeah, those, so those are kind of some of my favorite stories, too. Um, I started collecting these stories. Um, I call them glitches in the Matrix because they don't really fit with anything else um, in the paranormal world. Uh, I've collected a lot of different stories um, of time slips or or one of the one of them that I, I is can, a good example. Can I have you real quick, if you don't mind, please? Yeah. What's the difference between paranormal and supernatural? I think they're about the same thing. I think it's just different names for it, at least from what I understand. Um, they're both kind of explain things that happen that we may not have a scientific explanation for yet. Mm -hmm. I, I say that yet because um, before we could before we could fly, you know, that was supernatural until mm -hmm. we were able to explain it um so i think they're right along the same same lines for same sure stuff. okay sorry yeah. about that i just thought maybe we might oh, no, interject okay. that really quick yeah no you're fine so one of the things that um i find is people who have memories that don't match what really happened and i'll give you a quick example of that i interviewed a gentleman he grew up in a small town in colorado and it, he graduated in the early, early 90s or something like that. And uh, he graduated from high school and he went uh, and served two years for his church um, on an, in another country doing service. And then he came back and was going to get ready to go to college. And when he came back, um, he was doing work for a company, um, going around installing um, computer, you know, working on people's computers, I believe, personal computers. And um, he went to a house and he's like, oh, I know this house. My friend lives here. Um, and I can't remember her name right off the top of my head. That's kind of left me. But it was a friend of his from high school. And when he went in, it was a, an older lady that lived there. And he asked, well, you know, my friend used to live here. And 
and she said, well, I bought it from this family. Their daughter had died and, and they moved away. And so he thought about it and he went to the library and looked it up and his friend had died. She had uh, died of something uh, the year after high school. And he um, looked it up and she had died of an appendicitis. It had burst. And he rem- he went to her grave and everything and, and kind of had his own mourning for her because he didn't know um, that she had passed. And and like I said, he went to his, her grave and everything. And then, you know, he went off to school and grew up, got married, had kids. And one of, one year he was back visiting his parents who still lived in the small town for Thanksgiving. And um, they were getting ready to have dinner. And his mom said, I forgot the whipped cream. Can you run up to the, the store and get whipped cream for me? And he said, yeah, sure. So he runs up to the store. And it's kind of packed with with people getting last minute things for Thanksgiving. And he comes around the corner and runs into a cart and he looks up and it's his friend that's pushing the cart. And she's got a little kid with him, with her. And he's kind of in shock and he's like, oh, hey. And she's like, oh, I haven't seen you in forever and gives him a hug. And he's like, um, are you OK? What's you know, and he's in shock because he remembers that she was dead and she says, he says, weren't you sick after high school or something? I remember, and she goes, oh, I had an appendicitis and it almost killed me, but I I made it through barely. And and so they talked for a minute and he leaves the store, leaves the, the whipped cream in the store, gets in his car, drives to the cemetery and her, the, the, the plot's gone, her headstone's gone, everything's gone. And she's now alive and married with kids. But he remembers distinctly that she had passed away and seeing her grave and reading her um, or her uh, obituary and everything. And so his memory just absolutely does not match what real life is now. And so uh, he, you know, has no idea why or but he's very adamant. He's like, I didn't dream. it. I know. I remember going to the to the cemetery i remember where the plot was and everything but um, it's different now than than what he remembers and so yeah it's really strange if you've ever heard of a the mandela effect where things are for and this is what i call a a personal mandela effect where you're the only one that remembers it a certain way but you're pretty sure that it happened that way it kind of makes you wonder whether or not the matrix exists Right. The television show is just to kind of play games with us. I mean, not the television, but the movie, just to play games with us. So like, hey, yeah, this may be, this is a movie, enjoy it, but hey, this is really happening. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. If that's the case, I have some changes I'd like. Please. (laughs) Just a few. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Uh, Do you have any, uh, I know you, uh, you believe in UFOs? I do. Yeah. Um, I've interviewed a lot of people who've seen UFOs, different experiences like that. Um, and yeah, I, I really do. I'm really excited kind of that the government is now opening up a little bit. So I, I don't know how much, I don't know how much they will tell us eventually, but, um, I hope that someday we come to what they call disclosure and they finally admit everything they know. But uh, we'll we'll have to see. But yeah, I definitely have interviewed a lot of people who've seen uh, UFOs, including family members of mine that I've interviewed that's had uh, encounters with UFOs. 
You know, that's, that's, you know, I think I like the fact that the government has released like the, the footage from the, uh, the Navy fighters, which was fantastic because obviously it's something that they couldn't, they couldn't explain. And, you know, they kind of cover their butts just a little bit by going, well, you know, we got this explained, but we really didn't explain this. So the possibility still exists that maybe possibly kind of for sure, but maybe not, you know, yeah. Um, yep. But, you know, as long as it's been going around and as long as we have been here and as much with that is within history and embedded within history, the, the show Visitation from Another Planet and mm -hmm. the the carvings and the inscriptions in old, old, ancient civilizations that they've carved this into a mountainside and, uh -huh. and so forth. You know, the, the, there has to be. You know, yeah. possibility yep. that this exists. And, you know, and, and in my opinion, this is, this is just my opinion, my wife's opinion, um, you know, realistically, as large as the universes are, this isn't the only universe. And to think that there's nothing out there other than us, yeah, you know, is really kind of naive, I think, and gullible from that perspective. And with that being said, you know, if they want to show up on my front door and ask me how I'm doing, I'm okay with that. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. I am too. So I am too, for sure. You know, it, it's what's your most uh, interesting UFO story? Um, I interviewed a gentleman who um, he at the time he was in college and he lived in Idaho and he devo uh, delivered um, parts for a parts company. And he traveled quite a bit. And um, his boss calls him in on Thursday, says, I've got a late delivery. It's got to go to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Um, which I think was about a 70 yard, 70 mile run. And he says, if you take it tonight, I'll pay for your, your hotel room and dinner, and then you can have the rest of, you know, the weekend off. And so he jumped at it being, you know, single and he, he took the money, but he took his bedroll to put in the back of his truck. Cause he's like, I'm just going to take the money and then sleep in my truck. And so he delivered the parts and then he's traveling back through the mountains and he gets tired. So he pulls off the side of the road puts his bedroll out in his truck and lays down and uh, about one o'clock two o'clock in the morning he wakes up and the inside of his cab is just lit up and there's a hum there's a you know and so he climbs out of the back of his truck and about not quite a hundred yards from him is a triangle craft and it's hovering over this um this little river it was more like a creek that ran by where he was at and there was a blue blue beam coming down and it was sucking water up into the craft he could see and he stood there and just lit, watching in awe and then all of a sudden um it the the beam goes off and the hum stops and he said he was close enough that he could hear the rest of the water that was suspended to fall down into the into the creek and then it just kind of turned and then boom, and it was gone. And it was just quiet night again. And so he couldn't sleep. So he got in his truck and drove off. But ever since that night, he's just been fascinated with, wow. with UFOs, which you could only imagine. But um, yeah, so that was one that that's one of my favorite ones that I've that I've actually interviewed people about. I'm starting to see a pattern with bed rolls and sleeping outside. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I think it's, I don't know if it's the the part of the country I am where it's, it's a lot of outdoors. I, I get a lot of outdoor stories from um, 
hunters and hikers. And, That's a good thing, though. I mean, I, I grew up in yeah. Colorado, and I grew up in Colorado yeah. before. Um, I'll give my age away a little bit here now, but it was before it got uh, so full of people, basically, because now my relatives, I, I now live in Arizona, but um, the, uh, you know, back home, I've still got relatives back there that say just the amount of people that have moved in there, just like, you know, crazy amount of people yeah. that have moved in there. But, you know, I grew up there where we used to sleep, we'd have a fort and stay out till as late as we could. We've got a fort built out in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. as I'm pointing to it, as you can see me pointing over my <laughs> yeah. shoulder here. Mm -hmm. Bad habit talking with my hands. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we had, a, you know, and, and we spent a lot of times outdoors. And, you know, there were times that we thought we saw something up there. And, you know, you can tell what it yeah. was. We thought, well, hey, there's a shooting star or something like that. And, you know, it's always fascinated me, UFOs. And well, this whole supernatural, paranormal aspect have always fascinated me to a, a point that I probably should, you know, kind of take a, a, a leap further myself and maybe start, you know, I'm retired. So I could, uh, you know, embark on a new journey and start really exploring these things. But I'm also, uh, also kind of, uh, well, I kind of like my, uh, my house. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, you're like me. You like your career creature comfort so exactly i can you know go out on the back patio have a cup of tea and look at the nature out there in the backyard and it's all good uh yeah, yeah. it's kind of cool what's your uh what's your favorite uh ghost story oh boy there's there's a lot of different ghost stories that um that i really enjoy um well give me two of your favorite how's that two of my favorites well i'll tell you one that happened to me that was probably my favorite one that happened to me um in that that same home my parents still live in the home that i grew up in and for some reason whenever they used to go on vacation um there was always some you know more activity than than regular and i remember they were gone this is about seven or eight years actually eight years ago um, they were going to go on a cruise and they asked me if I wanted to just house sit. And so I said, sure. And just to keep an eye, they have a little dog. Um, it's a little Shih Tzu. His name is Bassa. And that's the biggest thing to feed the cats and make sure Bassa's okay. And so my youngest at the time, who was probably six, seven, he's like, oh, you know, we're going to stay, let's stay up and have a movie night. Cause it was Friday night when we went and, um, course by 11 o'clock he's passed out my youngest so i scoop him up and take him upstairs in the room that we are staying in and i come back down and bassa usually sleeps with my mother but if we're there and she's gone she he usually sleeps with whoever and he was sitting in the kitchen in his little bassinet i asked him if he wanted to go to bed and he just kind of rolled over and started snoring and so i said i'll leave you there so i just checked all the doors made sure everything was locked and i went to bed and uh, about two o'clock in the morning, I woke up and I could just hear a horrible racket going on in the kitchen. Um, and I could hear Bassa barking. And so I got up and I went down the stairs. And as my, my foot hit the bottom stair, the banging stopped and Bassa barked a couple more times and then went dead quiet. And so I walked into the kitchen and I flipped the light on. And it was at this point I realized that uh, what the banging was because every door and every um, cabinet drawer was at an angle. It, it, that's what was going on. The cabinets and the drawers were all banging and everything. Wow. Um, and so I, 
I shut all of those and I found Bassa. He was under the table, just shaken. <laughs> he was right. so upset. And so I just, I scooped him up and made sure the doors were locked and, and went up and back to bed. But, um, and, uh, and what's funny is I tell people that I just went back to sleep and they're like, are you crazy? That's so scary. And I said, well, when you grow up in that kind of situation, you think it's kind of cool, but you don't think it's that scary. Yeah, exactly. Um, just go back. Yeah. Time, time to go back to sleep. Yeah, don't go don't back wake back me up again. again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, it was, it was fascinating to me because it was, that that takes a lot of energy for whatever it was to, right. to swing all those doors and, and everything open. Um, well, and realistically, one, well, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go. You know, you're, you're just fine. Go ahead. If I say realistically, I mean everything that I've learned about it. It does take a lot of energy. Usually, and that's from when lights are on, or if something's on, that allows them to draw from that energy. So you had shut everything down and went to bed. Yeah. Yep. So whatever it was, I and and again, for whatever reason, whenever my parents went on vacation, that was when the energy really ramped up there would go months and months where nothing happened and then there would be a couple weeks where it was kind of crazy so um, it's kind of fascinating that as well um the other the other ghost story that one that i really like um i interviewed this gentleman and when he was much uh younger when he was just a teenager him and his older brother had gone deer hunting and there's a canyon up there it's called scare canyon and i i think it's interesting too how all of these places get names and and then strange things happen there scare canyon devil's half acre devil's den you know and people don't remember how they get their names but strange things go on there it's kind of fascinating but it fits. Um, him and his yeah it does exactly um but there's a there was a big canyon it's called scare canyon and him and his brother had driven up to go deer hunting there and um they'd spent all day hunting and not seen anything and it was getting to be dusk so they sit up on the on the edge where they could just glass and watch for the deer to come out and while they're sitting there uh, his brother all of a sudden his brother looks at him and he, he puts his hand to his ear like listen you know listen and so he's expecting to hear something walking like a deer or something and they can hear a kid crying and they're like, what the heck? And his brother gets up and he follows his brother down through the trees. And as they're going, this this crying is getting louder. And they come to an opening and there's a big rock. And here's a little boy in um, dirty overalls. He's got no shoes, dirty feet. He says he, he, when he closes his eyes, he can still see this kid. He's got tear streaks through his dirty face where he's been crying and his brother looks at him and he goes are you okay to this kid and the little kid points a certain direction and then he disappears right in front of him oh, that's and crazy. it's dead silent it's dead silent and there's nothing going on and yeah he went this 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 kid went from being the solid you know it's dusk so it's a little dark but um goes from a solid person to disappearing right in front of them and he says he has no idea where this kid was pointing but they they took off they they got out of there as quick as they could and um, he tried any time he tried to talk to his older brother about it over many years this was actually in the 70s that he said when he was a teenager that it had happened it, that it took nearly 20 years before his brother oh. would would openly talk to him about it it freaked him out that much wow. 
So who knows? Who knows what that was? But it's kind of fascinating. Probably pointing to where his body is. That's what I'm thinking too. Yeah. Like almost as if he'd been lost. And <clears throat> I kind of looked to see, you know, if there was any sign of kid being lost from way back and I couldn't find anything in any any reports or anything that I could find. So but definitely freaky. Yeah, that's a crazy story. But I mean the mountains I think the mountains hold a lot of secrets that um we don't all know about until, you know, the right moment when they pop up. Right you know, from that perspective. So that's pretty cool. So you are, obviously, you've enjoyed your career with writing and collecting these ghost stories from all over the country. I think that that's a brilliant job. And, uh, yeah. you know, you're obviously very good at it. And, uh, you know, Thank I think you. that what you've accomplished so far is really a positive thing. Thank Let's you talk very about, much. Talk about your books and how, uh, how somebody can find you and how they can find your books. Because I put three of them up here. But uh -huh. I know that you've got five and you're working on a sixth. Yep. Um, they're actually all available on Amazon uh, in either softback. There's a few that have a hardback and then Kindle version. Um, and there is actually a few that are on Audible if you like to listen to books as well. I'm um, hopefully we'll get the rest of those on in the next year. Uh, you can contact me or actually find out more about um, my books at uh, www.strangerbridgerland.com and that has my website it actually talks about my books and a lot of things that are coming up um, I, I have a paranormal conference I did one last year here in northern Utah and it went really well where I was able to have other authors and speakers come talk and and along with me and I will be doing that again in this October and there will be information about that as well uh, so definitely on Amazon and strangerbridgerland.com and the that conference that you're talking about starts when so it'll be October 14th and 15th here in Northern Utah, in Logan, Utah. And uh, my website will have a lot more information about that as well. I have, I have in my experience, I've met a lot of people from all over and um, they, they come and speak at the conference. They did this last year and I have more people coming as well and um, booths and just all kinds of fun things we had at it. And uh, it's just really a fun experience for people who love this, the paranormal. So. Oh, very cool. Starts on my birthday. So oh, nice. I might have to find find Logan, Utah. Yes, definitely. Check it out. Uh, I'll have all of that information and how to contact you in your website on my website before you go podcast.com as well. So anybody that didn't have a chance to write it down or um, take a screenshot of it, I will have that available for you in the show notes so that uh, everybody has easy access to finding you and your books. Uh, I think they've got some fascinating stories in them. I've perused a couple of them. Uh, and I think that uh, um, it's going to inspire, motivate you. It's going to scare you. It's going to make you think <laughs> about what's on the other side. So, yeah. Pretty cool. Um, this is one more thing before you go. Do you have any words of wisdom for our listeners out there and our viewers? Yeah, I just keep your mind open and keep your eyes open because – one thing I've learned is that you never know when the paranormal is going to be there because it, it can come at any time. Just keep your eyes and your mind wide open. Outstanding, profound words of wisdom. <laughs> John, thank you very much for sharing your experiences, your story, your opportunity for other people to learn about the paranormal and the supernatural. And uh, I appreciate you being a guest on One More Thing Before You Go. 
Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go, have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.